Hey everybody, this is Jay Grandin from Giant Ant. I am not Zach Dixon, but welcome to the 38th episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be the guest host, and we're going to talk to Zach Dixon, the host of this very podcast. During the episode, we talk a little bit about why he started Animalators in his quest to encourage the animation community. We'll talk a little bit about how he built up his studio in Nashville and about his love for personal projects. I'm excited to get into all this and more on today's episode of Animalators. Well, hey there. Hello. Um, thanks for coming on your show. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me on on my show. This is very strange. Um, yeah, I, I bet it feels a little weird. I have a new appreciation for um, the people I interview and... Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking. So, thanks for all the other people who have done this because maybe yeah, maybe you don't get nervous, but yeah, I'm I'm excited though. Oh yeah, I totally do. And I've got a new appreciation for you. Um because it's more work than it sounds like. <laughs> so, anyway, um speaking of you, who are you? Why don't we start there? I mean, obviously, um faithful listeners to your podcast have a sense of who you are and you've got a studio in Nashville and you run a podcast called Animalators that we're currently talking on but maybe you can kind of just do a proper rundown of who you are and what you do right now yeah sure um I am my name is Zach Dixon I run a studio that I co-founded called Identity Visuals um or we're trying to shorten it to just IV but we'll see how that goes um and yeah, I am the creative director, and yeah, our team's like about uh, I think we got eight people on our on our crew right now, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I have a wonderful wife, and we're expecting a baby girl in a few months now. So, oh, congratulations! Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I am now. We we love Nashville. Uh, we we work out of this uh, sweet kind of co working space that we have our own kind of little pocket little studio in, um, and you know free coffee and beer and and lots of of wonderful people um so yeah yeah that's that's kind of kind of where i'm at i i creative direct and we do mostly uh animated work um but we've got some some other things in the works um a little bit outside of animation too which i'm, I'm sure we'll get into um yeah for but, sure yeah and then you also run this podcast which i'm sure consumes a bit of your time yeah definitely yep bi-weekly and i think we've only like missed one like one episode in the last, I mean, we're up to like, this will be, I think episode 37 or something. Um, yeah. And like we've, we've tried our best to keep it like really consistent. Um, and it's been, it's been great. It's been extremely helpful and, um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it, um, thus far. And I, I plan to continue doing it until, I don't know, indefinitely. We'll see. Until you run out of motion designers to interview. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that there's a lot of, um, uh, interest based on your Twitter post uh, that you were doing your own interview. Um, there are a few things that we'll talk about about the podcast and I want to yeah. ask you about. Yeah, but for sure. Maybe first we can just rewind a little bit. And I know that, um, I mean, from what I know of your backstory, it's been a pretty direct one. Yeah. Um, so maybe you could just kind of quickly tell us where you came from uh, and then we can talk a bit more about what you're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I think it makes sense to kind of pick up when going to school. I went to school for music, and I, I kind of always thought that I was going to be a professional musician of some kind, um, and that's what I ended up even graduating with. Um, 
But kind of in the process of, of going to school for music, I, I really, really, really wanted to be a songwriter. I wanted to, like, I, I always thought that that was kind of the, I don't know, the peak of being a musician. I didn't just want to be like a session player. Not that, not that there's anything, you know, inherently wrong with that or, or less, um, I don't know, you're not less of a musician by, by any means. More but of a creator, less of a technician. Exactly, yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I always wanted to be, and I never figured it out. I, I was, like, I was pretty decent at guitar, not necessarily by Nashville standards, but, like, um, yeah, I never was quite able to, like, crack the, the songwriting thing. Um, and so I, I, I was touring with a group. Our, our school kind of, like, sponsored these groups that would um, tour. We'd play, like, youth camps and stuff and um, just kind of rock out with high schoolers and middle schoolers and jump around and stuff. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a paid gig, and uh, you, like, tried out to make it in, into these bands, and it was kind of like your job for the year, and I did that for a few years. We traveled with this kind of big backdrop and screen, and we had like basically nothing to go back there. And I was like, ah, oh, like I, you know, I grew up and making just like stupid videos with my friends where we pretended we were in the Matrix or um, we were mobsters or something dumb. Lots of Star Wars videos; they were great. Um, I was like, ah, oh, you know, like I, I overlaid lightsabers in After Effects growing <laughs> up. Like I, I bet I yeah. could maybe make some some tour visuals like for us. So they like they sent me up. They like bought a laptop and Adobe suite and yeah they were just like go at it and so like i made i don't know like it's just so many horrible horrible like lyric videos essentially and i didn't even know what a lyric video was at that time um and there's a reason why none of them are online anywhere right now um but (laughs) yeah so like basically started making all this content uh for our tours essentially like tour visuals and then started just kind of posting them on vimeo and kind of people from all over I, I have no idea how it's kind of I guess earlier days on Vimeo where it's yeah. maybe a little easier to find things um, and yeah it just started like calling me up and like to me like a college kid like five, you, you're gonna pay me $500 to like make you this video like yes please that sounds amazing oh yeah um, like rent for a month yeah exactly and so um, yeah, so I just kind of like started doing that throughout college and then I, you know, I took some filmmaking classes and things like that while still kind of continuing with my degree. Uh, met Samuel Cowden kind of in film classes in school who's, who's now my business partner. He basically came in. He's like, look, you're way better at this than you are at music. Uh, you should start a studio with me. And at that time he was thinking, you know, the plan would be I would do animation. He would do... Um, you know, film, like, uh, he's kind of a DP type. Um, we'd kind of do half and half and we would kind of do that. And, uh, it came time to graduate and we knew a few people in Nashville. We kind of made the conscious decision that we didn't want to do New York or LA. Um, just from the standpoint of, I don't know, we, we were very aware that we, we had a ton to learn. Um, that cost of living was very high in New York or LA. It would have been Uh hard to stand out, hard to get going, hard to meet people. Um, at least that's what we thought. We didn't do it, so who knows how it would have gone. Um, did, <laughs> did your music um, background influence the choice to go to Nashville at all? Like, did that city represent something to you, or was it just sort of a maybe a little bit? I mean, like, I do not like country music at all. I mean, there there is a pretty great <laughs> like indie scene here, um, which is awesome, but. Not really. We just kind of visited one time and we're like, wow, this is like a really cool city. It's got great food and great coffee. And like, it seems like it's got a pretty decent creative community. I think mostly based around the music industry, but um, it still kind of has that vibe. I mean, it's, it's, I would say 
fairly pretentious here. It's like very hipster, um, which is great. And I, I love that. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I just kind of liked, now it seems like I like the pretentious vibe. But no, it's, it's I don't know. I just really like the vibe of the city. Um, it was growing economically. And we're like, you know, this is, we knew it was going to be a business. We knew we wanted to grow. And so we wanted to pick a city that like was definitely on the, on the up, I guess, which is yeah. starting to bite me now that I'm trying to buy a house. Um, because, oh my <laughs> yeah, gosh. Yeah, I mean, good thing you're not in New York. Yeah, for real. Cooper. Good point, good point. Actually, this is something I was going to ask you about later, yeah. but um, it's a little bit off topic about your backstory. But uh, one thing that I've noticed recently, maybe not super recently, but recently-ish, is that there's sort of this interesting like decentralization of the motion graphics industry going on, which you touched on a little bit. So like everything, you know, it seems like five years ago happened in New York or LA or London. And like even us starting up in Vancouver, it felt like we were very, very removed from everything. But, you know, suddenly it seems like that's much less important. And you have like Oddfellas moving to San, or uh, sorry, up to Portland and more and more working with freelancers like, you know, Alan Lasseter in yep. Nashville yeah. or Chris Anderson in Arkansas. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, like what's that, what's that been like for you? Just that, that decision to be in kind of not not in the traditional middle of things I think it's tough I think I don't know I especially like on the scope of like all the people that I've talked to on this like on this podcast right like it you know I say that there's still like a majority of talent and people I think just looking at the list of, of people I think it's almost like half are in like one of those cities and then the other half are, are all over the place um, but I I I wonder if I had been doing this podcast for five years, if that like might make a nice little chart of like upward trajectory of, you know, people not in New York or LA. Um, I don't know. And and the more that I've seen, and this is something that we we talk about a lot, like even just between me and my wife and all my whole, my whole family moved here. It's like at this point, it's like I feel I'm pretty like much settled and st- stuck, for lack of a better word, in Nashville. It's like. Would we ever move to LA? And and I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know the answer to that question. It would, well, yeah. It would. It would have to. It would have to make sense. But something that we've been like thinking about and we've been experimenting with is we actually have a full time employee who lives in Chicago. Um, and oh, wow. and we've been as Sam and I have been talking about like the way that we see things going is like people want to live by a family because that's I think incredibly important and and wonderful mm-hmm. uh, if you want that if you enjoy that if you enjoy living by your family and like and we're not going to find all the best talent here in Nashville so I wonder what it looks like to have a decentralized team even um, and that and that was a tough process at first I'll admit like um, we kind of had to get over that kind of initial like lag in communication um, but we started using tools like Slack and Basecamp and um, I talk to Max probably every day on the phone just just occasionally we'll just call each other and start right into conversation and I don't know we figured it out and, we, and we'd like to kind of continue to pursue that as we grow and, and maybe think about having a bit more of even like within our studio a decentralized workforce if people want to be other places and it's gone really really well so far uh, we'll continue to experiment with that and see how it goes as we continue to grow hopefully cool. um, yeah I don't know if that answered your question or not but yeah no no I mean it, it kind of does and um, I guess it's it's interesting or it's cool watching I don't know I guess I think of it like the like the Midwest and the South or you know smaller places in Canada just being better represented in the community um, I, I think the big thing that we like us me personally like miss out on is the constant 
um, surrounding of, of your peers, I guess. Like, and, and I, I didn't have any, any experience in, um, another studio. So I don't, I don't know what that environment's like. I never worked at an agency or someone else's studio. So I don't necessarily know the right way to do anything, which is the worst thing. And maybe sometimes the best thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like, I think there are so many great resources now that I think have moved a lot of those community centers online, whether that's like Slack or the wonderful mixed parts. Um, but ultimately is the main reason why I started this podcast was because I, I very consistently feel undereducated, underexperienced, uh, I guess for lack of a better term. And I wanted to figure out a way to catch up to that without having to go through those experiences. And I, and I think that this, this podcast was essentially an excuse to me to be like, Hey, like I love Sarovsky. Like I love the work that you do. And then just like email Aaron out of the blue and she's the nicest, most willing person in, in the world. And then I get to spend an hour with her asking her how she runs her studio. And, and I, even if I like, don't even know the right questions to ask sometimes, um, you just get that like small insight into like what they have going on in their studio, what their culture is like. And that kind of shapes our culture. And then, Hopefully with sharing that with other people, that kind of helps shape maybe the culture of, of other people's like freelance careers or um, the culture of their studios. Um, when you don't have access to that like huge hub of other studios that are all surrounding you, I guess. It's true. And you, uh, you don't know what you don't know. So it's um, and I think it's too like it's really hard to be constantly learning and seeking those things out when you're, you know, buried in the work all the time. And oh, I, yeah. Like know from experience the size of studio that you're at is a like it's a challenging one because you're probably at the size where you're not so big that you can remove yourself completely from production so you're probably on the tools a lot and then you're not so big that you can have an army of producers to block you from all the awkward conversations that you need to have probably daily um and then you know you probably have a lot of people reporting to you and there's just um yeah it's it's a lot of work it's a big job totally. running a studio yeah, and, and you're and you're constantly learning on like different tracks too. Like I, I love to animate, and I and the only way to get better about animation is to do lots of animation. But then like I also like really enjoy directing and leading a team. But like that is a whole other skill set that you have to like actively think about your own skill development in, and like actively practice. And it's tough to like practice all those things all at the same time. Um, it's fun, but it's it's hard to like I don't know. It's hard to like manage and fit all those things into one day. Here, let's just quickly finish up on on kind of where you started, because yeah. otherwise I'll never go back there. Um, so you got to Nashville. Um, oh yeah. You were getting into animation. Samuel was kind of doing the the kind of DP video production stuff, and then um, fast forward to now, you guys are eight. You do what seems to be mostly animation, like a pretty broad mix of cell and two D and three D, um, and it seems like. Um, Sam's role is more uh, executive producer, kind yep. of leading in that way, and you're leading more on the creative side. So how how did that journey um, from what seems like it was predominantly live action uh, with more of a creative partnership to predominantly animation with more distinct roles go? Sure. I, am, I almost think it, honestly, maybe Sam would have a different perspective on this than I would, but... Um, I think it actually has something to do with us not being in like New York or LA. Like we set out to start the studio to play on the the highest level, like of 
of work. Like that's our goal. Like like you guys at Giant Ant and and Buck, like you you all are setting the bar that we want to get to and, and we are climbing towards. Um, and because of of where we were, I think that's a big part of it. There, there's only so much work that you can get in live action and it, you're kind of limited in, in that sense to being local uh, unless you really, really work at it um, to, to have like kind of a national, it's, I think it's it's substantially harder because you can't just, um, you have to fly everywhere and it's expensive and there are cheaper local options that are, that are better. And so uh, with that in mind, I, I think Sam quickly realized that he, he really enjoyed the business side of things and building a studio that has the potential to be kind of making work on that level, we would have to switch to uh, entirely kind of animation focus. Um, and, and he really enjoyed the kind of producing side. And, and over time, we, we realized that that's what, just what we were the best at. Like that's what, like inside of our, our team and our area and what we were able to make at, like just kind of over time, it, it just kind of naturally kind of uh, shifted, uh, I guess, over time. Um, and, and it's great. And, and, Sam, Sam, and I mean, Sam. Every single project still starts with Sam and I. Like, I, I don't know. He's definitely more of a creative producer than, um, I, I don't know. I guess all producers are creative producers, but he still writes like most of our scripts, especially the more business business side of things. He's just got a, a great great mind for it, and yeah. And we're we're still all in in those initial meetings together, and and are doing our best to try and always be on the same page and cast a similar vision and and kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a learning experience, even just having a business partner, and I I highly recommend it. Um, but it <laughs> is almost have like being married to a person because you have to like learn how to um, have like fair disagreements, and because you're gonna have disagreements, and you have to like learn how to to work through those. Um, yeah, and that and that's a process, and and. But it it eventually makes you better because it, it essentially we we are constantly having to kind of think about our own ideas and why they might be best for a project or best for our studios because we're going to have to uh, kind of work those things out together and kind of arrive at those um, conclusions together. Um, yeah, that's great. I happen to be married to my business. Yeah, partner, so, so it's exactly I, I like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like a marriage. Yeah, it's um, the definition of a marriage because it's a marriage. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting, and we had a very similar uh, road, as you may or may not know. But you know, we started out doing a lot of live action, and then mm-hmm. as the years went by, moved more and more into animation, and we found that um, there was le- more of a glass ceiling with live action in the way that you describe, where. Um, you know, unless you're getting into those major, major, major budgets, yeah. um, there's a, you know, it's, it's just a little bit, bit constricting. So totally. like, there's always a better local option. So if we're working with somebody in New York, like why fly us across the border and, you know, all of our gear becomes really complicated to move around and stuff. So, um, anyways, we followed kind of a similar path, which, um, which is interesting, I think. Well, and, and another part of it is I hate, I hate being on set. It's, it stresses yeah, me out me like n- like nothing else, um, and, and so that was a good part. Like I don't know, as as an animator and someone who who directs animated pieces, you like you get addicted to that like control that you have, but also like conceptually, there's there's a much lower ceiling for what is possible, um, because it's much more because imaginative. You can't shoot anything exactly, yeah, um, and so I think as soon as we realized that, we're just like, oh yeah, this is this is what we're doing. So, so speaking of that, um, you guys do a lot of different stuff. Uh, like, 
I think what's interesting is that your team is quite small. They're like you said, there are eight of you, um, or you know, six or seven in the room and one like way off in Chicago. And, and it was five of us know, in December, doing... so it's it's okay. very recently like grown, um, which is every time you grow is also very stressful. So. Well, That's let's say as far thing, as your portfolio is concerned, there are five of you. Okay, yeah. And you you're doing you know two D, you're doing cell, you're doing you know pretty pretty complex three D stuff as well. Now, um, you talk a lot about code and VR when you're you know asking questions to other people. Um, what <laughs> what are you what are you looking to do? I mean, it seems like you <laughs> you guys are like I don't know if you're kind of dabbling in everything to find the thing that. Um, really emerges as your thing or if you're just um, the kind of studio that just is kind of bored doing the same thing twice and um, interesting yeah what's what's going on what's I your... would I would it's, that's interesting I would say that we are bored with purpose um, I don't think we just want to do new things just to do to do new things so I can't remember I think it might have been on one of maybe Ash's um, collective podcast interviews or something but like one of his guests like had a very interesting interesting perspective on their career and it kind of like changed the way that I thought about like our studio and my career is trying to like take a huge macro perspective on your career so let's say I want to work till I'm 65 um, and so I am five years into what is essentially a 43-year career. Um, so I am like, I just finished up around like the first 10% of my career. Um, and and I think that a lot of, especially like, like 20-somethings or early 30, like I feel like a lot of times we can get a little bit stressed out and I do this all the time, like just looking at the unbelievable amount of like wonderful like crazy well polished like perfect pieces on the internet and it feels so attainable like it feels it feels like oh like if i just if i just try harder if i just um like it's within me and then then you make things and then it's that whole like you know the gap trying to live up to your taste and, and trying to hit that um yeah and like I, I don't know. And basically, whoever this person was, I wish I really could remember what it was because I want to go listen to it again, honestly. But basically saying, like, most people don't make, like, the best work of their lives until, like, the back half of their career because it, it, it just takes that much time to get to get there, like, just to, to practice your craft and, like, find out kind of your voice as um, as a creator and... So that's what I'd like to look at this time of IV as. Like it, we we are, we're going in the directions that that, that interest us, and with with a very purpose like driven. Like I, I have very specific goals for where I want IV to be, um, not not a specific timeline, and I'm fully expected that those goals will change. Um, and, and another thing that I heard someone say also on that that podcast, when talking about originality, I'm I'm obsessed with with trying to find something original, and I think that the best studios in the world do that. I think that they have their own voice and they have something that is very original that that is almost often like hard to describe and often like hard to put like to to pin down. Even like people I talk to on Animalators, they they have they don't even think a lot of people realize that they have their own style or have their own voice. It's just so like natural yeah. to them. Um, and I don't know what that is, and maybe maybe we do have it, and I can't see it, and and that's fine, and and that's great. But in in kind of that quest for originality, um, I heard that like the only way that you can like nothing's new under the sun, right? Nothing's a remix. The the only way that you can 
uh, create something new is by combining two things that already exist in, in a way that no one's <laughs> ever done before, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't want those two things. Like I want, I want people on my team that we can pull like ten things together in, in a unique way that no one has ever seen. And I don't know. I I just feel so constantly curious, and and I I'm attracted to like other curious people as as far as like team members go, and people who want to um, dive in and, and learn new things. And I think short term, it it literally might be hurting us. Like from a from a business standpoint, right? It's it's easier to sell one thing. It's easier to sell a voice. It's easier to sell a single style. Um, and I and I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that at all. Like I think it's wonderful. Um, we're just not there yet, and I don't know what that's going to be. And so yeah, I, I just want to do that's everything. A tricky. It's really tricky to to figure that stuff out. And I think that. Um, I don't know if style and voice are necessarily like perfectly accurate synonyms for one another. Oh yeah, totally. Um, but I think I don't know a couple things you said that were really interesting there. And one is like the like the long view on your career and kind of like using to, you know this ten percent to kind of you know start to lay the groundwork for that amazing stuff you're going to do in you know twenty thirty years. Exactly. Yeah. But it's it's really tricky in our industry because um, the technology is moving so fast trends are happening so quickly um, access to technology as far as like who can afford what stuff to play with um, has changed so quickly that like 10 years ago none of us would be able to be in business but now yeah. we can yeah. and so um, the market is getting flooded with talent that is making kind of what <laughs> My friend Lucas Brooking calls the Vimeo echo chamber. Yeah. Where, you know, trends get start like start to cycle so quickly, and it can feel like this um, really anxiety-inducing mm-hmm. situation where you feel like you've got to keep up all the time. So it's it's like it's hard for me to even think of like what am I going to do like thirty years from now? Like I don't know. Like our video is going to be a thing. Like yeah. who knows? Exactly. So, but then the other thing about voice is interesting. Like kind of in the context of that, where. Um, you know, I think that there is a certain reality of spending a good chunk of the beginning of your career, maybe like the time that you're describing, as sort of trying a bunch of stuff and doing a bunch of stuff so that you can kind of get to parity in the industry where you can look at your own work and be like, okay, like objectively, you know, this looks like it's the same quality as this stuff. And this is the stuff that I look up to and like, okay, I've gotten there. So, like once you get to that point, then it's sort of like, okay, like we figured out the tools, we know how to like create an arc, we know this stuff, now, now what do we want to do with it? And I think that that's, um, I think that's that sort of voice process that's really exciting where you, you know, v- via, you know, your own sort of like technical accumulation or by, you know, hiring people that know what they're doing um, to be on the tools, you can sort of get to this point where you don't have to spend all of your energy figuring out how to do what you want to do. Exactly. You can yeah. redirect that energy and like, what is, what is the doing now? So I guess for you with a growing team, like a pretty rapidly growing team from, you know, five, a couple months ago to eight now, how does that influence your voice or your opportunity for your voice or the way you look at it? I mean, that just has to do with everybody that we add, I guess, like every, every new team member that comes in, I think is contributing to that. And like, I think that's, it's that mixture, like finding that right mixture of, of talent and, and styles and voices and ideas that come together to, you know, if, if the thing you're pursuing is, is originality, um, 
I don't know, just figuring out a way to combine different people's ideas and, and sensibilities. Um, and we've been doing that for a while, like as far as, you know, when we needed to grow, we would hire freelancers. And, um, the, and that's amazing. We had to work with crazy cool people like, you know, Alan Lasseter and Andrew Embry and, and just tons, I shouldn't name because there's just so many talented people we get to work with. And it's fun to see how their sensibilities kind of clash with ours and then the way that we can kind of bring that together. But we're, we're also like kind of hiring with purpose as well too. I mean, um, I, I love, love, love doing like title sequence-esque work. Um, and, and so our, the, the guy that we have in Chicago is like, like he spent all this week, um, you know, trying to get better at Houdini and like kind of like honing those kind of like 3D, 3D skills and things like that, that we can, we can bring to n- new projects. And, um, and one of the guys that we, we recently hired this year is, is an incredible, um, painter, like Matt, like Matt paintings and things like that, that we were able to kind of take advantage of. We just put out Sierra club, which is kind of has this more like kind of painterly style, uh, which is incredibly fun. And um, hired uh, Taylor this year, who who kind of runs the gamut, and was able to help out on 3D stuff like the the JJ Abrams project and all that stuff. And yeah, I don't know. So it's like it's it's a new it's a new thing. We're able to kind of like um, in a very very small way be, be able to be like oh like but what if we put what if we put Taylor on this? Like what would she bring to this that would change it in a positive way? Um, and, and and try and yeah. make that happen. And that's a whole new thing that we're like literally just figuring out. Like. You know, like last week, Sam and I had a meeting. Like, oh, like maybe we should switch some stuff around on this. Like, I think that would be better for all these projects. And it's like never something we had to think about before. And yeah. and it's not is not easy. Like, no. And it's it's um, what's so interesting about that is that in a role of creative director, when you're not touching the tools yourself, um, maybe you know, I guess you are sometimes. I'm sure, and sometimes you're not. But but who you decide to put in a project and how you brief <laughs> those people can um can so so wildly influence what a project looks like and um which can be so interesting so you know combining you know these three people from the team versus like removing one of them and putting another person in you could end up with a totally different project um which is so interesting and it's i mean i don't know it's kind of like that steve jobs cliche of <laughs> oh, playing the orchestra, you know, playing yeah, the orchestra yeah. a little bit where you just you know if you can kind of start to understand that the opportunities and limitations that people have and then, you know, mix those opportunities and limitations in ways that complement each other in unexpected ways. Um, it can be so yeah, fun. No, definitely. Um, and I think that that's, some of that stuff is really where that sort of voice starts to emerge where it's not necessarily always like combining two things, but maybe it's combining like two talents and two things. And, um, it kind of becomes like an exponential variable set that can be pretty cool to play with. Totally. Well, and then and then people can leave too, which is also like something I just pretend will never happen. Um, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Like even life with, goes on. <laughs> yeah, life goes on, and, and used to. I mean, yeah, it's even like because like, I mean, Jorge is somebody that used to be a huge part of your your team, and and life life goes on, and he's doing amazing stuff still, and you guys are also doing amazing stuff too. But I also know he was you know a big part. Of, now I'm like interviewing you again, um, but. <laughs> I just want to answer the question, and then it's not an yeah. interview. It's just, there just we a go. comment. <laughs> just a comment. It's a weird <laughs> comment. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 true. He he hasn't skipped a beat, and neither have we. But yeah, like, we obviously really miss him, and uh, he brought so much to the table. But it's not, you know, it's just stuff that other people are bringing to the table in different ways. Exactly, which is amazing. Yeah. And that's yeah. just the void will always be filled by someone. 
uh, which is so cool. Um, but you, okay, you talked about, briefly touched on the J.J. Abrams project, which oh, actually yeah. I just looked at last night because I don't, so it's not on your website yet. No, we and can't. Up in Canada, we don't have Hulu or we're blocked oh, wow. from at least, I don't know, all content, some content on Hulu. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but you sent me a link and it's amazing. It's a really beautiful Thanks, piece of work. And it's really complex. And you're working with J.J. Abrams and Stephen King, which I imagine is one of those things where you can like talk to your family <laughs> with names that they recognize. Yeah, and yeah, for the most part. Some people know. But yeah, <laughs> no, it it was terrifying. It was the hardest project that we've ever done. And What was hard I, about it? Oh my gosh, okay. So it's it's like one of those projects where you get it at the beginning and like inside you're just thinking like, ah, we're never going to be able to do this. Like, Don't screw like, it up. Like, Don't like, screw yeah, it up. Like, I don't know that like that fear kind of creeps in, especially when you hit that like that next level. Like for a while, the dream was just always like, you know, we, we want to work with like a big, like a nationally like recognized company and like, yeah. you know, someone like a, like a Reddit or something like that. And like, that was like all like, like that was the next level. And I was just so, so, so excited. We were working towards it. We we're trying to figure out how to get there. And when you get there, it's like, it's so scary. Like you, you get there and like, oh, like, are we ready for this? Like there are so many other, like way more talented studios that like, that Reddit could obviously afford to like pay to do this video. Like why, like, yeah, like why'd they choose us? You like all that kind of like fear and doubt starts to, to creep in. And right. that Reddit spot is great, by the way. Thanks, dude. Um, but then the next time, like Reddit comes calling, you're like, "Oh, like we've done this. Like we can do it," and 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 you go for it. And then um, somebody else calls, and 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 I think this was like one of those big, those big moments of just like kind of really kind of swallowing that, you know, that big gulp on on the initial call mm-hmm. of just like, okay, like you have to. You have to be confident. You have to say like, yes, oh, we're going we're to knock this out of the park. Like we are, <laughs> we are so ready for this. But inside I'm like, wow, we've never done anything on this scale before. We've, um, we've, we've never done a 3D project that's this big. You know, we were just starting to get into Octane. Like we're going to have to buy a bunch of computers and a render farm. And like we're going to have to set up all this stuff. Like all this stuff's going through your head. And then it's for like, it's for the guy who just, you know, rebooted Star Wars and like one of, you know, <laughs> the, the best directors out there. Um, um, and so there's that that like pressure. So on top. Like, where did you where do you start on a project like that? So like, um, just speaking from personal experience, I always feel the most terrified by the projects that are um, not terrified. Like at face value, a project like a like a title sequence feels like oh yeah great. Like we don't have to like deal with some complex explainer script or whatever. Oh, yeah. There isn't specific information to get across, which is great. But then at the same time, you're you can kind of do anything if you can like, kind of loosely justify it in some kind of a container of a story that makes sense, you know, if not to the audience, at least to you or the director. So um, with that freedom comes like, you know, a bit of anxiety, at least on my side, just figuring out like where to go and you can go anywhere. So how, how did you start such an abstract project? Actually, they, in this case, it wasn't particularly like that, which is actually kind of great. Um, in that they came to us with like a um, the veins concept 
um, as far as like we, we you know it's a it's a show about castle it's the, the for those of you who haven't seen it it's uh, castle rock is the we made the the kind of announcement teaser for this new show with J.J. Abrams and Stephen King and and it's basically the concept is all of Stephen King's characters books like all live in the same universe um, and they have basically constructed a, a miniseries. I don't know if it's a miniseries or not, um, but kind of an anthology of all these characters interacting in this city in Maine called Castle Rock. And so they wanted a conceptual teaser to essentially show that this is their one living, breathing organism, and then we had to transform that into a map to geograph- geographically show um, Maine. Um, and that that was kind of all presented to us kind of right away. That like came oh, cool. from okay. from JJ, and that that was kind of what he wanted to see. Um, and th- and then kind of our our um, what we had to bring to the table was more on the look development side and type treatment and logos and, and all that type of stuff. So the other like terrifying thing about it was too is like this was our first time working with them. It literally came Seth Worley. I I owe him beers for the rest of my life. Um, he, <laughs> they, I know they, Andrew Kramer, I believe maybe turned down the project. Um, and, and then they called Seth who had, had worked with them before. Um, and then Seth was like, Oh, like, you know, 3d necessarily like, isn't necessarily my wheelhouse. Um, but I, but I know these guys and, and they'll do great. I don't think they looked at any of our work. I think they literally like, I get, I get a frantic call from Seth Worley saying, Hey man, just connected you with JJ Abrams. Uh, you're about to get a call. And it's like, but I gotta go. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? Like, um, <laughs> And you're just kind of out of nowhere. And they're just like, oh, Seth says you're great. Like, can you do this? And and we're just like, yeah, of course we can do it. Like, we can do it. Um, is this Mr. J.J. Abrams or is this a No, this is a, somewhere? a producer at uh, Bad Robot's name is Andrew Lee. And he's one of the nicest people in the world. Um, and, and he was excellent. Um, but yeah, he's basically, we can't tell you what it is, but like, here's the concept. Can you do it? Sign your life away. You can't tell anyone. Um and then we were off, but it was it was set up in a way to where it's like the the payment structure. Like right away, they were just like, well, like they didn't say it this way, but essentially it was like, you know, we're not sure if if you can do this, so we need a way to like back out of this and go another direction if we realize it's not going well. <laughs> like it was basically the way so it no was 50% presented. Percent deposit, basically. Well, they they gave us a deposit, but it was very small, and they were just like, just in case, like if if you turn in like bad style frames and we don't like them like we have an option Whoa. to go somewhere else like they didn't it was, it was not presented that way and I totally get it from their standpoint because like they wanted this to be great and like they're taking a chance on us and I was just like okay like let's go like <laughs> let's let's make something that they don't hate and uh, go from there so um, so it's nice that they brought you uh, kind of a starting point for the concept which I'm sure took off that first layer of anxiety yeah but yeah. Was there another layer of anxiety thinking like, okay, um, they have an idea and they're probably picturing that, like, you know, obviously J.J. Abrams is kind of a visual thinker, <laughs> like, like he knows how to, you know, make pictures in his brain. So um, was that was that kind of weird? Like you're like, okay, well, we need to pull this out of his head, something that he's already thinking about. Yep. That was, no, that, was that, tricky? Th- that was like literally the massive challenge. And then you also have, because his time is so limited, you also have a lot of producers who are also trying to guess what JJ is thinking. Um, and we, we got two phone calls with him the, the whole the whole experience. When you get him on the phone, it's amazing. Like he he picked everything out. He knew like just by looking at it, he's like, oh, you're rendering an octane. Like those titles are element 3D. Like is this particular like 
you know, like getting down into like the actual tools we were using that he was just kind of spotting on the fly and being like, you know what, like, you know, we need more turbulence here or something like that. Like he's very, oh. I don't know, like it, it after Super those, literate. I know, like very literate and it's, it's almost intimidating in that sense. Um, but I'd say a lot of it was technical. JJ, what's turbulence? <laughs> Like a lot of it was was technical too. They jumped the project to 4K like halfway through, um, oh and gave us more money but not more time, um, and that just was insane. And then they they are huge on iterations as well. So I, I have a folder of of a, a truly insane amount of of end type treatments for Castle Rock. Um, I think <laughs> I have a, a folder and frame with like almost a hundred images. Um, it, oh, it was wow. it was a, a a lot of iterations. So there's a lot of work that went into the project that just you never saw. Um, I, I really hope we get to post our style frames uh, at some point, kind of our initial pitch frames. Um, yeah, it'd be just great to, people to see just, just be able to see kind of like how the process of of making it like changed the the look of the piece over time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird combination of like high pressure, like. Uh, you know, getting on the phone with with someone I just I don't know I I super admire and not wanting to to let them down I guess and at the end he said he was pumped so we're we're stoked well, and we really hope we get to work with <laughs> him again so sometimes we'll those kind of high pressure situations are exactly what you need to make some good work and yeah um, yeah definitely or just to level up I mean it's like when you get the kind of situation where you don't have time to think. Mm-hmm. Like really, really think about what you're doing. Sometimes yeah. you just you make the right kind of in, instinctual call, just you know based on all the experience you've accumulated without you know doing a weird dance in your own mind about whether you're right or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it was so like it, it was one of those things that to get it done, it was like I was pulling you know twelve hours days almost every day of the week for two months because it was just we had so much to get out to them as far as like options go and all that stuff. So just like a lot of just overworking extra hours, that type of thing. Um, and, and one of my good friends and, and mentors, like I was just on the phone with him and he's like, after experiences like that, like the best thing that you can do is like set aside specific time to reflect a back on those like busy seasons in your life and like wow. actually like write down or like very specifically think about like different lessons that you learned um, and take that time to kind of like debrief yourself. Um, and I thought that was really, really smart and really helpful because like during those like super insane times that I think we all have in this industry, I think it's it's really hard to get a good perspective. And if you don't pause and like force yourself to pause and think back on it, I don't think you ever will. And you might miss some like really interesting lessons um, that like you learned and might inform your work later. Um, totally. And it's also hard to enjoy the... Oh my gosh, you know, it's so hard. The, the sense of like, ah, oh, I've, I, you know, I've made it in some way <laughs> here. Yeah. Like I'm doing what I want to do with people I admire on work that I'm proud of. Um, I'm getting paid for it reasonably well, like all those things um, during those long days and sometimes after the project hangover is kicked in, uh, it's hard to really appreciate. So that's good advice, I think. So um, I got a question about something you said. Um, yeah. So Seth. Oh, yeah. Did you, you did a podcast with Seth, right? I did, yeah. Is that how you know Seth? Um, no, I, I met Seth at like story conference in Chicago or something, but we both live in, lived in Nashville. He, he since moved to Hollywood and is going to be, um, the 
most famous director. Um, now he's he's just an incredibly <laughs> talented writer and director, and he moved out there to kind of pursue that. But we we like went to a coffee shop here in town a, a few times and just kind of became fast friends. And I asked him to be on the show, um, and we we keep up all. He's like working on a, an awesome feature right now, and we just like kind of keep in touch and bounce back. He le- he lets me like pretend I know like what I'm talking about when I send him <laughs> tips on his his uh, feature film. So that's nice of him. Thanks for humoring me. <laughs> well, so. I was I was hoping that that was going to be um, a segue to proof that you know oh. emulators as a personal project has sort of like paid off specifically benefited your career, but <laughs> but I'm sure it has in other ways. So um, what's that been like? I mean, you know, you talk a lot about um, you've asked people at least I've heard a lot about personal projects and how that informs their process and their career um, and their voice and all those things. Um, and then you know, arguably. Animators is like the the biggest, most ambitious personal project you could possibly take on while running a studio. So, I mean, obviously, uh, there's got to be a benefit for you beyond, you know, just well, I don't know, maybe maybe there isn't beyond just kind of soaking up knowledge. But um, but can you talk about that a little bit? Like, how has it changed the way you think of your process, or um, think about your work, or think about the kind of work you want to do, yeah. or how has it you know benefited you in other ways? Um, so I, I don't know. It's interesting. Like I, th- I saw a lot of people kind of like classify it as a personal project, but now I, I, mean, I do it during work hours and like my team helps me produce it. Um, so I, I look at this as like my job. Like I, I don't look at this as like an outside exterior personal project. Um, I, I think Sorry, it's, I, I should have said like un, unpaid studio project. No, sure. Yeah, it, it totally is. Um, but it's it's funny. Like I've never honestly looked at it that way. I've just looked at it as like now it is like legitimately just part of part of my routine, and it is like a forced biweekly conversation with someone I admire, um, and that routine is wonderful because I. I to be honest with you, I am I am not always in the mood like to to come in here and <laughs> and, and sit down and and talk to people and I hope that doesn't ever c- come across and I don't want these like people to think I sit down I'm like ah this You're again kind of a drag right now <laughs> yeah no like <laughs> I'm just kidding I I always I always enjoy it, but like you know there are times where it's it's super busy and um or or I'm just not having a great day or I'm tired or something um and but I get into it and it, and it is refreshing and sometimes it, it kicks my butt in in the best way um, of, of hearing from uh, and I have lots of specific things about that um, about different instances of, of hearing about people which I'd like to, to get to in a second but I'm thinking like specific ways it has it really like just opened up I don't know, just the the ability to like reach out to new people and kind of growing that network. Um, we we have like we got we got the we got the Sierra Club job. Um, f- like some some people there um, listen to the show and they they have animators on staff and uh, for some reason they listen to the show and and oh, awesome. w- like that came out like at the end of our like second client call or something like oh by the way we love your podcast and like no way like that's crazy I, I but but to be honest we never really started this. With we we never thought that this would get us work, that that was never the intention. Nor did we think that that would be why it is. I, I think it legitimately started out of um, a personal desire to have an excuse to talk to people that I admire and that I I think they're doing something that I want I want to be good at and I want to also do. Um, and I and I mentioned a little bit before about feeling just um, very consistently behind and and 
unsure of of where to go very often and and I think it's it's so helpful to hear from other people who um, may have a piece of that puzzle like for me personally or, or for our studio um, and being able to kind of kind of glimpse those and um, I don't know I think that might come across in, in the specific questions that I ask I ask a lot of especially like studio owners like how are you making that transition from like um, creator to manager for a lack of a for you know very simplified version because like that's something I struggle with like every single day of my life like coming in and I'm like I have to get you know this this animation section done but I have you know now five other people like pretty consistently ask me for <laughs> feedback on their projects and like that's yeah. my that's my job and if I don't do that like we all suffer and um so yeah, I'm in the process of figuring that out. So basically everything I ask is like all things that I'm like trying to figure out for myself. And then, um, and then it has the benefit of like, I, I get to meet new people. I, you know, we simultaneously kind of grow our audience within, within the community. So, um, that is a, a, a wonderful, uh, side effect that of, of course we're aware of and, and that's great. But what's also cool is that I guess, you know, even if it started as a, you know, like a, a self-indulgent quest for kind of information and inspiration and s- answering those questions for yourself. You're also sharing that with everyone else, which is really cool. And what was kind of <laughs> interesting, or it must be interesting for you, is that when you posted that um, you were being interviewed, um, there were so many questions that came back that people wanted to know, um, you know, in the same way that you're, you know, looking for the uh, that knowledge from other people. There are a lot of people out there that want to know that stuff from you, yeah. which must feel kind of cool yeah no it definitely does and, and it's it's very uh encouraging but i think and and like to launch off of that a little bit i think like a big like battle and struggle for me very consistently is i, I think that there can be a lot of fear in the creative process um because you are you are fighting through like constantly uncertainty like every every single day you're you're trying to if if you're trying to make new things and you're trying to push yourself th- there's always going to be this kind of fear of the unknown and with this podcast i i really hope that we are helping other people like fight back that fear of the unknown and, and be kind of a voice of of positivity in in the creative space because i think that it can get if you're a certain personality, like it can get pretty negative or or dark pretty fast, and I think it can be very lonely. Um, and I, I would just love to be a small part of the opposite of that, and helping people to also like kind of f- see one that they're not alone in in their struggles as like becoming a creative professional um, and getting better at their craft because because we're all struggling and we're all learning new things. Um, and I, I think it's easy to forget that. So if at the very least it's a biweekly reminder that your heroes like don't have it all figured out and they're also trying to learn things, like I think that that is like a worthy use of my time. Um, oh man, yeah. I think that's um, you know speaking from personal experience again. Like I think, I mean, I, I feel like every single day I show up at the office. Not every single day, but let's say like four out of five days. <laughs> I show up and sit down at my desk. I'm like, I, I don't belong here. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. How am I going to get this done? I have no idea what to do. <laughs> and uh, and I think the nicest thing that I've gotten out of listening to the podcast is you can, no matter who they are and what part of their creative journey they're at is just... like It feels like that's the one thing that everyone says is that they, they're just figuring it out as they go. And um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm just repeating exactly what you just said. But, <laughs> no. um, but I think that there's a... <laughs> It's really nice, no matter kind of who you are and where you are in your career, 
to hear that other people um, can empathize with that that feeling of uncertainty and kind of not not always knowing what you're doing and where you're going and what the right answer is and how to solve the next problem and you know no matter you know whether you're a freelancer or whether you're you, know, you with seven employees or whether you're you know Ryan Honey with whatever a thousand you know it feels like as you move up that ladder you're just it's an exercise in sort of like increasing your capacity to accomplish stuff or achieve stuff or to manage people or to manage projects or whatever and then filling that capacity with like overcapacity <laughs> and then and then getting to a point where you can handle that and then leveling up further and so i think kind of no matter where you are on that ladder it's it's overwhelming or it can be overwhelming whether you're working on one project or 100 projects yeah um, so talking about uh talking about learning from people and um giving other people access to learning from people i mean uh, I feel like, you know, when I look at things like mixed parts and Twitter, I see um, people quoting people all the time from, you know, Animal Letters or Motion Sickness or some of the other podcasts, uh, The Collective. Um, so obviously there are things that people are saying that are really sticking with people. And I'm sure, you know, you're the one asking the questions. So some of these things must be really landing for you and influencing um, influencing your yeah. thoughts oh, yeah, and behavior. Can you talk about some of those things? Like what are some of those episodes or moments that have really stood out or made an impact for you yeah definitely yeah i i i almost feel bad like singling like certain ones out because i i literally get done with every episode and and there are like i i always feel like i've learned something so i i'm so sorry if i don't mention you because if you are listening all of your episodes are, are extremely special to me so um but there are totally some that like stand out to me and like and, and it, they always come back. They, like there are moments that come back to me just in my my day to day life and career. Um, and and so these are more things that I'm just thinking about a lot right now. Um, so, like for example, Animade. Like most recently, they they talked a lot about their their kind of specific journey about how to find their voice and like just how. I don't know. It, it, to them, it seems like a very specific process they've, that they've been kind of like unfolding and, and uncovering over the years. And I think that they were, have been very, um, like, not diligent, but um, purposeful. Like they've been very purposeful with their growth and like developing that voice. And if that's something that you want, I think it's like just as not as simple, but like I think just as something that you can pursue, like just becoming better at drawing. Like I think it, it needs to be focused on and, and practiced and, and honed in. Um, so Greg Gunn's episode, um, like I think it was a combination of like the project I was working on that day and and the things he said in that interview. But like a lot of the things he said in in that interview, I think really shaped my process as a, as a creative director. Um, I think it's it's super easy to get into the rut of just making something that you want to make um, and and not doing a good job of listening. Um, Do you mean specifically listening to clients? or listening Yeah, to specifically listening, or? listening to clients, I think, in general, is like a lot of times, like this was just like the, the continuous noob uh, in me is basically like we start a client call and my mind is racing on ideas. Um, and, and he gave me the very like practical tip to just like just whoa like just hold on just take good notes listen like really get to the core of, of what they are are talking about and and like who they are as a company and like what the best way that you the best way that you can help them through like your services as a studio and 
and don't start your ideation process until after that. Like that's like changed my life because a lot of times what ends up happening is like I, I my mind gets racing on other ideas. One, I stop listening. I'm I'm no longer listening to my client and like what will be best for them, and. Like that initial idea is is huge. I think it's so hard to overcome like that initial perspective that you get on a project. And so like I found that it's so helpful for me to delay that process. And I was like, man, Greg, like I was like pissed when I like got off the air. I'm like, man, I'm so bad at this. Like I do that all the time. And like that's yeah. But it's been so helpful to me uh, in the future. <laughs> so thanks, Greg. Um, <laughs> Way to go, Greg. Um, so he's, uh, Sonder. Um, Van Dyke, his, so I, I was crazy inspired by his passion for like doing good in the world. Um, and, and just to like speak to his level of, of his, his passion on that, like we, we have such a, um, potential, like with the work that we do with the storytelling power that we have through animation to, um, to put amazing things in the world that, that can really change the world. And I like hundred percent like believe him when he says that like he and and to speak to that passion like if you go back and listen to that episode Sonder took like multiple days off of work and like re-recorded his entire episode that he like completely scripted because he believed that like getting that message out was that important um and I'll, and I'll never forget that um and so and he's doing it he's doing some amazing stuff and go check out his stuff if you haven't in a while because it's awesome um yeah Sander's amazing he's uh yeah, he really, he really, really, truly cares. It's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and I want to be like that. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to like fly through as many as I can. Um, Michael, Michael Jones, I loved, and, and that was a lot of thing about one thing that he said that really sticks out to me is like he when he like thought about starting um, MoGraph Mentor. Michael Jones started a like an online kind of mentorship program. His his thought was like, well, like Justin Cohn should do this, like he would be the best person for this. And he like almost didn't do it. <laughs> and like, I had that exact same thought when I started this podcast. I'm like, you know what? Like motionographers should have a podcast. Like they would do <laughs> a way better job than I am. They're like experts in the industry. Like, but no, like Michael just did it and it's awesome. And it's like so beneficial to our community. And like, so if you're out there listening and thinking like Justin Cohn should do this, like he would do an amazing job because he's awesome, but like, so can you, and you have your own perspective. And I think that that is really important to like come from. Um, and it's something like uh, I continually do not view myself as an expert and, and maybe I never will. Um, but I don't, I don't come at the podcast that way. And, and I think as, as long as you know who you are and where you're coming from, I think like, don't let it stop you from doing something just because you think someone right. else might be better at it. Um, well, and that's the thing that you know, like Michael and you are both queuing in on is that like people that are experts become experts because they've done something like no one becomes an expert in anything by sitting back and let, letting the experts do the thing. So I don't know. I mean, you gotta start somewhere. Exactly. Um, Let's see. Erin Sarofsky, I think about that one a lot. She has like the best stories. Um, and I love her studio and the work that she puts out. And she just comes across to me as like a, just like the most fearless person um, and her like in her like pitching. Um, so I think that that always sticks out to me as something that's super inspiring. And then like um, there's so many people who are just so dedicated to their craft. So like recently, like Justina and Joanna um, or Cho or I, I'm sorry. So on, I, 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 I'm butchering it again, but like just hearing them talk about their, their dedication to illustration and, and their craft is like very inspiring to me. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't know. Th- those are standouts right now, and if I kept going, I would think of a bunch more. But, yeah, I don't know. You all teach me a lot, and I hope that it's helpful. So, I always listen to your podcast when I run. Oh, nice. And so um, I can picture exactly where I was in the city, at, like listening to all of those podcasts you mentioned. Really? Which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, like a little spatial memory cue yeah. just happened for me. It was cool. That's awesome. So... You don't have to answer this question. But okay, yeah, no, go. Have there have there been like any disasters with animators? Like, have you, <sighs> um, like, have you made any big mistakes that you've learned from? Like, even, uh, I don't even know what kind of mistakes that would be. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose like things go wrong technically all the time because we're working with you know digital files. But sure, um, are there are there things that you, um, after having done thirty seven episodes or thirty six uh, and a half? Because we're not quite done yet. That you've that you've learned that you um, feel like you wish you could go back and do differently in the beginning, or um, I've I've learned that prep work definitely helps. Um, there are a lot of times like that I will get so wrapped up in what people are saying that I forget to think of next questions, and that happens to me all the time. Um, and we'll just pause for a second awkwardly while I like look back at my notes and think of something to say. Um, you can edit that out. Exactly. Yeah, so no one knows. Um, Jorge's interview we had to redo because of a technical difficulty, which sucked, but thank you, Jorge. You're amazing uh, for, for being <laughs> willing to to do that again. That is the worst feeling, though, like losing a, a great conversation and then having to like somehow manufacture that moment again. Um, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, t- like it's my nightmare. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, like there are different like format things that like we're always tweaking um, and trying to make like m- more interesting a- as we move on. But not, I mean, nothing too too much. I- I've tried to like put more prep work into it as we've we've gone on because uh, I don't know. I-, I just really enjoy like podcasts where people like the interviewer like very clearly is is prepared and like comes with great questions. I don't always have time to do it, which I would love to have more time for, but it's, you know, got to make choices on what you spend your time on, I guess. But um, if I had more time to prepare, that would be awesome. And sometimes I like come to an interview and I'm just like, ah, I was a little underprepared for that one. Sorry. But, <laughs> well, I'm sure you've, you've done it enough times now that you have, uh, you know what works and know what doesn't work. So I'm sure you can improvise a little bit. So where to with the podcast? I guess thirty-seven in. Where are you gonna? You know, cap it at fifty, cap it a hundred, try to hit a thousand. Oh, what? No, you know, I, where's I, it gonna go? I don't see an end. I see it going wherever we go as a studio, um, and maybe that's even a, a good transition back into like future plans um, for myself and, and and our team and 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 that type of thing. But um, there are so many different sides to the animation community, and I feel like right now maybe our target audience kind of hits that kind of like motionographer, like similar target audience. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that there is, like, I'm so excited to learn from from people who work on features and and people who work in television, but also people who work in interactive, people who animate things for products and apps and VR and and AR. And I don't know. I'd like to do more of those. I I still want to, like, come back to this core of of animators, but I'd love to talk to people who who touch animation in different ways um, because I think that we all have so much to learn from each other. Um, And I'd love to kind of bridge those gaps sometimes. Like, I'd love to do, like, a series where we we talk to all of the um, Oscar-nominated animation directors or something next year. That would be amazing. Um, And... All, you know, well, that, the worst they can do is say that no. That seems like so. a bit of a 
it sounds like a bit of a foreshadow because you um, seem to ask about a lot of that stuff often. So AR and VR and uh, original content and long form content. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe that is a good segue to talk about what you want to do kind of on your own and with the studio uh, moving forward. Yeah. Um, into those 43 years. <laughs> yeah, into those 40, you know, we got 90% left. Like, what are we going to do? Um, I don't know. I hope I hope we're laying the groundwork for, I don't know. Basically, I'll just kind of lay it out for you. And this, this will probably change in five years or maybe a week. I don't know. But uh, it's kind of been the plan for, for a little while now. It's something that Sam and I have been kind of brainstorming on. And um, I, I'm currently working on our first game. Um, it's called Bouncy Smash. Uh, I'd like okay. it to come out Good this name. year. Um, yeah, you bounce and you smash. There's lots of both of those things, um, <laughs> and it, it, it's been a blast. Like I, I've I've loved working on it. I love uh, the code space, the interactive space, um, and and so does everyone else on the team. Like there's there's so much design and animation and, and illustration uh, involved in, in bringing something like that to life, um, and. So that's kind of like short term, like we, we want to grow our own kind of uh, internal products and like kind of our own venture, like kind of department of IV, um, where the first kind of entry in that might be um, Bouncy Smash, our, our game, and then from there move on to maybe doing some like AR uh, board game type products and, and things like that. Um, continue maybe develop some tools. I, I'd love to employ like a full-time developer that can be kind of working on our in in-house tools, but also tools that help our community um, and uh, that help make us you know help us all make different and, and cool things. So I'd love to have that kind of like interactive department. Um, I don't know. Erica Gorichow's studio is like super, super cool, and the stuff she does is amazing. And I, I would love to do um, start getting into that stuff. And, and a lot of our team members have kind of that similar desire and passion. Um, and then longer term, I, I would like to have a third division that is uh, always has a feature or a television series kind of running um, there together. So it's kind of that that kind of three like so right now we are in like kind of phase one which is like our ad space and and we'll always do that and we'll always continue to because we love it and we want to keep getting better at it and we'll, we'll always continue to grow that um but yeah and i and I, I would just love to create a place that you could know that you have the chance to work on all of those things maybe not all at once but like with within the same studio i think there's 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 so many um uh potentials for cross-pollination of different talent across all those different things that I think would all benefit from each other and I think that'd be a really fun place to work and I think we'd be able to do some really fun stuff and I think it would um, create interesting work across all, all three of those things so that's, that's where cool. I want to go um, sounds amazing who knows if we'll get there it'd be really cool to see if you can find a way to, to put all those things under one roof and <clears throat> one thing that's interesting about living in Vancouver is that like there's a, a huge uh, feature industry so like a lot of animated features get made here and there's a really big um, kind of episodic TV industry here as well. So yeah. a lot of, you know, Nickelodeon and Disney shows and stuff get produced here. And then there's a lot of gaming and sort of tech stuff that's going on. And then there's a bit of motion graphics. But what's funny is that those four worlds don't seem to overlap very much. Yeah. And I, I've never figured out why, really. I don't it, know. Maybe I'll figure it out and then yeah, it will go know. so terribly. Um <laughs> And then we'll just have to pick one, and that's that's totally fine. Um, or but, maybe this is you mixing your you know your ten things, but it's four. Yeah, and 
exactly. And it'll so, be amazing. So we'll see. Um, I'm I'm stoked about Bouncy Smash. I you know, it you know, there's a chance that you know a hundred people will play it, and and that's fine. We'll move on to the next thing. Um, but no, we're stoked on it, and we're just having a blast like working on it. I, I love. Um, yeah, I love kind of developing something ju- that's just for us that has maybe the potential to make some money. And uh, I'd love to kind of keep that going and keep trying it until it um, until it works. We, we've had a couple other apps that we've poured money into that we've kind of realized quickly that they weren't going to work. That um, And we've abandoned them and moved on to other things. Um, and we both Sam and I kind of have that like startup, um, I don't know, drive is the wrong word, but... Um, I don't know. Yeah, There's like itch. a, you have to try like 10 things to find the one thing that's going to be really successful and you have to figure out ways to fail fast at all of them. Um, and we have a similar like outlook on personal projects, even within the studio. Like, um, I think there's a lot of times you start a personal project and you have this like super high pressure on yourself. Like, Oh, I'm starting another personal project. Like what about those nine other ones that I didn't finish? Like <laughs> it can get like pretty discouraging. Um, but even something that we think about every time we take on a new, we start a new personal project is like just very actively, like what are we learning from this? Like how is this going to help? Even if we don't finish it, like how is the pre-production going to help us on our next project? Um, and how is that going to shape the work that we do in the future? And if you're not if you're not pushing yourself in any way, like don't do it. But if if you are, like just start that start that new short film. And if you don't finish it, like you're still going to learn something from that that early process and, and it's going to shape your work um, in, in a new way. We, we tried to do like a, a, a fan like Half-Life title sequence a little while ago. Um, like as if they made a TV show from the universe of Half-Life, which I would love to watch. <laughs> Please make that JJ and hire us to do the title sequence because we already started. Um, but yeah, we like started it and like it just got so huge so quickly but like it we we learned so much about octane and 3d and like we never would have been able to do the the castle rock project if we hadn't just started that half-life title sequence like we we already failed in in a huge way on that and and that led us to succeed like working <laughs> on on a new level in, in a new way so um it was just your r&d budget for um exactly castle rock. yeah perfect so yeah, that's where we're going. Who who knows we'll get there, but we're gonna try really hard and we're gonna do our best to have fun in the process. And yeah, well, you yeah. said a lot of stuff, so I mean, I'm sure you'll succeed at least a few of them. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> which is exciting. And if you can find you know ways to you know create revenue streams with different kinds of content mm-hmm. that allows you to just be really picky and cheesy, but the kind of ads yeah. that you make or I'm, I'm be so be, yeah, that's the, that's dream, the dream right there. Yeah, and I and I. I'm jealous. I feel like you've got that, man. You, 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 all your works is so cool. Um, I'm like fanboying right now, but yeah, I'd, lo- <laughs> I'd love to be in that place. It's a hard place to get to. So, um, cause we still take on a lot, a lot of projects that we do not show anyone. Um, we make our clients real happy, but, um, we still got to pay the bills sometimes. A lot of times. Um, it's true. The bills never stop. They show up every month. They do. Um, sometimes it's just, uh, a matter of being really adventurous with the word no in in ways that you don't know how to quite um, deliver on <laughs> financially mm-hmm. for the studio. Yeah, and definitely. Just trust that that time is more better put somewhere else. And sometimes it's a disaster and sometimes it is the right decision. So I don't know. I think it's just like many years of doing exactly what you are talking about. Just, you know, Never quite being satisfied, always doing a little bit better, always learning that thing from that last thing and doing doing it better in that new thing. And yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. And the and the podcast will follow 
um, our curiosity uh, as we venture into those um, those things. We'll try and make sure it always comes back to, to animation because that's kind of the core of, of what we do and what we're good at. Um, but so please, I mean, there are a lot of people who write in and I love that and it's very encouraging and sorry that I don't write back to all of you. I, yeah, I should do that better. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if there's any questions that like we're not asking, by the way, this is more of just me speaking to everyone, like please like tweet us or write us an email or something like, I would like to hear more about this um, because I want like, I want to make sure my curiosity like continues to stay relevant to everyone who listens to this. Um, and yeah, so we'll see where it all goes. Um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. It seems like this might be the perfect place to put you in the hot seat on those yeah, let's questions do it. that you always ask. Let's do and it. Because you've been asking them for so long, you better have good answers. <laughs> oh, no. So the pressure's I on. I so do not, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start at the top. Who is your dream client? Okay, so a lot of people answer this question with like a really, really broad, generalized um, thing, which is what it's turned into, which I love that because it, it's turned into like the ideal client. Um so my easy answer is is me because I, I like making games and I really want to make um, things that are like self-initiated projects. But um, a more specific answer, I would love to work with FX, um, the channel, because their show promo packages are the coolest thing I see all the time and all their title sequences are amazing. Um, so yeah, FX, the network, all the stuff that like Impactus does and Block and Tackle does, which I'd love to have both of them on the show. Um, yeah, I think they just like they let their people do apparently whatever they want, and it looks so cool. Um, so Crazy. FX, cool. I'm sure someone's listening from FX. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't. Um, okay. Uh, what's your favorite animated film? Um, first animated first film ever saw in theaters was The Lion King, um, and so that will always have like kind of a special like it's like the magic of cinema. I was like, what is this? This is amazing. Um, uh, you know, and it's so sad when uh, Mufasa dies. Like, come on. I definitely cried. Um, but more recently, probably um, Song of the Sea. Um, I, I'm, like, super attracted to films that, like, I walk out of, and I, it makes me believe that I could make a feature one day. Um, and That's cool. Like, not not in the sense of, like, oh, I'm, I'm as good as that. Like, more of just in, like, the, like, oh, like, this fits with my sensibilities, and, like, I, I really resonate with it from, like, an art direction standpoint and, and a tonal standpoint. And I think law, um, Song of the Sea, like, really hit that well. Um, I'd love to have Tom Moore on the show and, and talk to some people at Cartoon Brew and just kind of um, hear more about, like, their operation and, and how they're able to make um, these beautiful, beautiful indie films. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Um, what do people you love think that you do? So my wonderful mother listens to every single one of these podcasts. Um, oh. I know, I know. I can like it. It kind of blows my mind a little bit. She's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like half the time, but like a lot of you know, she's interested in the stories, and and so that's <laughs> great. So hey, mom, uh, she'll love this one. Yeah, she will. And yeah, mom, you're the best. Um, so she has a very clear idea uh, of of what we have going on, and, and so does my dad. Um, but more extended relatives, I think especially since we moved away, we grew up in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Now we live here in Nashville. Um, the last time a lot of them were really familiar with me. Um, and like, you know, when we were around a lot, I was very much like hardcore pursuing music. Um, and so a lot of them, like more extended people, 
especially on the the inland side, will will ask me about my music career and like how how that's all going. And I'm like, and they seem very disappointed when I tell them I'm not really doing music anymore. Like, <laughs> how's the guitar playing going, Zach? And I'm like, well, like I don't really have a whole lot of time to play guitar very often. And they seem very disappointed. So I'm sorry. I, I am sorry. Yeah. But animation now. But you're they, playing the orchestra now, though. Yeah. Zach. Yeah. I should just tell them that. I was like, I'm conducting an orchestra now. I'm like, wow. So I should do that. Okay, the last question, and then this is the end for me. Um, what animal did you choose and why? So for my animal, I chose a red-tailed hawk. Um, I've always kind of thought hawks were cool, but um, I am a redhead, so I thought the red was kind of appropriate. Um, yeah, and hawks kind of have this like top-down um, perspective on everything, like kind of... They're you know they're above everything. They can see everything at a high level, but then they also have the ability to like, like focus in like razor, like sharp on on small details in the landscape. And I feel like that is something that's really hard to do, and something that I'm trying to get better at. <laughs> uh, well, it was a it was a pleasure to talk to you, and it it was cool um, as a listener, as I hope it was for other listeners to hear a bit more about. Uh, what you're all about. Thanks, dude. Thanks for being willing to do this. Um, it's a little little surreal. Um, yeah, so thanks. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. It was an honor to be your guest host. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter at GiantAnt or on Instagram at GiantAntstagram, just the way it sounds. You can stay up to date on Zach here, or on Twitter at Zach Dixon. That's Z-A-C-D-I-X-O-N. Thanks.